Support for This Is Love comes from BetterHelp Online Therapy. If I had an extra hour each day, I might spend it just being still and reading. No phone anywhere in sight. Figuring out what feels good isn't always easy. Therapy can help you suss out what is most important and make the time for it. And BetterHelp can make that entire process convenient and painless. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist in no time at all. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash ThisIsLove today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash ThisIsLove. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair all delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. This episode contains language that may not be suitable for everyone. Please use discretion. In the 1956 NBA draft, the Boston Celtics coach, Red Auerbach, made a trade with the St. Louis Hawks. It's now legendary. Auerbach gave up two of his Boston players, one who'd been on the All-Star team six times, for a rookie just out of college. He hadn't even played in a single game in the NBA yet. His name was Bill Russell. Red Auerbach was waiting in the wing and said, oh my God, I I can grab him right now. And... He grabbed Bill Russell in the, tra- in the trade and brought him to Boston. Bill Russell knew the coach was taking a chance on him. He later wrote in his memoir, Not everyone shared Red Auerbach's opinion of my basketball skills. Some Boston writers said I was too skinny, couldn't shoot, and didn't have the size or stamina to exist in the rough-and-tumble NBA. Well, he wasn't a... Seven foot one, seven foot two, seven foot three guy. He was 6'10, stretching it, maybe 6'10 and a half. Former NBA player Spencer Haywood. But he played it with such fierce defensive prowess that he just changed the game on the defensive end. Bill Russell played the center position. And according to Coach Red Auerbach, he, quote, made shot blocking an art. Quote, he would pop the ball straight up and grab it like a rebound, or else redirect it right into the hands of one of his teammates, and we'd be off and running on the fast break. In his first year with the Celtics, the team won their first ever championship. They defeated the St. Louis Hawks, the team Bill Russell had been traded from. He got a record number of rebounds in the game, more than any rookie before him in an NBA final. It was the beginning of what's been called the Celtics dynasty, with Bill Russell at its center. Michael Jordan said, quote, Bill Russell was a pioneer. He paved the way and set an example for every black player who came into the league after him, including me. I'm Phoebe Judge, And this is love. When Bill Russell joined the NBA in 1956, 
He estimated that there were about 15 black players in the entire league. He was the only black player on the Celtics. He later wrote, The Boston Celtics proved to be an organization of good people. I cannot say the same about the fans or the city. Boston has this reputation, and it is, you know, up south Boston. And we all, all the players in the league always knew that. And Bill Russell faced um, people broke into his home, um, wrote horrible things all throughout of his home, and on their way out, they left a pile of shit. In 1963, Bill Russell was out of town one long weekend on vacation when his house was broken into. He had a family by then. His daughter later wrote, Our house was in shambles. The burglars had broken into my father's trophy case and smashed most of the trophies. In his memoir, Bill Russell wrote, I once described Boston as the most racist city in America. I had good reason. Many of the people who cheered me at the Boston Garden reacted in horror when I tried to purchase a home in the all-white suburb of Reading. And, you know, he was he was upset about all of this stuff because his kids had to be moved in different places, different times, because when he was on the road, they were being harassed, his wife being harassed. So, you know, but he took it all in stride. He was never walking on that floor with that kind of anger because, you know, whom the devil wished to destroy, he first make anger. And so uh, he wasn't going to, going to deal with the, anger, the angry part of it because he had work to do in terms of trying to win a championship. Bill Russell won 11 championships with the Celtics, a record that no one else in basketball history has beaten to this day. It's never been duplicated. It's never been anyone that's come that close and so he's the king of the mountain. When they say Mount Rushmore, Bill Russell is sitting there. When the Celtics would play on the road, it was sometimes in states that enforced Jim Crow laws. In 1961, the team traveled to Kentucky. Two of its black players were denied service at the hotel coffee shop. When Bill Russell learned about the incident, he organized a boycott of the game they'd come to play. Their coach tried to talk them out of it. It didn't work. Bill Russell and four of his black teammates flew back to Boston early. That's why he stood out to me as the greatest player of all time, because he was involved in the civil rights movement. He was involved with Martin Luther King. He was at the, the march in Washington. In 1963... At a rally before the March on Washington, Bill Russell said Martin Luther King Jr. invited him on stage. But he thought he would be a distraction and that the spotlight belonged to the organizers of the march. He sat with the audience instead. Spencer Haywood remembers talking to Bill Russell about his memories from the civil rights movement when Russell later became his coach on the Seattle Supersonics. And I remember... He and I sitting at the 13 Coins restaurant in Seattle, in downtown Seattle, because everything else, would, when we get in from a road trip, would be closed, and we would always go to the 13 Coins and, and drink coffee and have some breakfast 
you know. Uh, and he would talk about all of those, all of those experiences that he had had in the civil rights movement, which was just unbelievable. There was one story that felt personal to Spencer Haywood, because it had to do with Mississippi, where he grew up. In 1963, the civil rights activist Medgar Evers was murdered there. When he was uh, shot in, in Jackson, Mississippi, he was a civil rights leader. Bill Russell said, well, I'm coming to Jackson, Mississippi to put a basketball camp together for black and white kids. And our state of Mississippi never had experienced that. Bill Russell worked with Medgar Evers' brother to organize the camp. Spencer Haywood would have been young then. He said Bill Russell wondered if maybe he could have played basketball there. He said, would you have wanted to come up to the, to, to the camp? I was like, man, I was 120 miles away deep down in Mississippi in the bowels of the, the delta where the cotton, cotton grow tall and the folks say y'all and peanut grows all around us. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, I used to sit on the highway, because I lived in this town called Silver City, Mississippi. And remind you, it ain't no silver and it ain't no city. <laughs> it's just cotton fields. <laughs> so we used to listen and watch the blues singers come up and down Highway 49W. And there's a lot of songs wrote, written about 49W. I'm taking 49W on up to Memphis, Tennessee, blah, 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 blah. And so I couldn't have made it there. I would have loved to have been there. To, to experience that, but, uh, and we talk more about that. Through the 60s, as Bill Russell became a bigger star, he continued to publicly support fellow black athletes. He was part of the Cleveland Summit, a meeting that the football star Jim Brown organized in 1967. It was right after Muhammad Ali said he wouldn't serve in the Vietnam War. They were meeting to discuss his decision and whether to publicly support him. The group included some athletes who'd been in the military. Basketball player Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was also invited. He was just 20 years old. He later wrote, Bill was the most famous member of the summit, other than Jim Brown and Ali, but he never tried to influence the rest of us. His approach was encouraging us to listen with open minds to what Ali had to say. That was a huge lesson in humility and leadership, that guided me for many years after. The group decided to support Muhammad Ali's decision. They held a press conference. In photos, you can see Muhammad Ali sitting right next to Bill Russell. At the 1968 Olympics, two black American runners, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, won the gold and bronze medals for the 200-meter sprint. As they stood on the winner's podium, the Star-Spangled Banner began to play. Both raised their fists in the Black Power salute. They were suspended from the U.S. team and called traitors in the press. Bill Russell said that he only had one objection to what they did. Quote, I didn't think of it first. Bill Russell, legendary Bill Russell. Uh, I love his story because I taught at McClyman's High School, the high school he attended in West Oakland. Pendarvis Harshaw is now an author and journalist. 
McClyman's High School has been called the School of Champions. Their early 60s, late 50s, and through the 70s, basketball team produced a number of athletes. You just see this, uh, it's kind of a, oh, a pipeline of sorts of athletes coming out of West Oakland. Just knowing Bill Russell at the time that he was at school, he went to school with people like Frank Robinson, who was the first African-American coach or skipper, as they call him in baseball, um, legendary baseball player, Hall of Famer. Wait, was it clear in high school that he that he had great talent, that he was going to be a star? There's a story that Bill Russell, um, he had a tremendous growth spurt while in high school, and that's the thing that led to him moving from, like, junior varsity and at the time being, a, he was a mascot. Um, but then having a growth spurt while in high school and just becoming, like, this mammoth basketball player and uh, his specializing in defense— uh, just being a dominant force on the, on the court. Bill Russell was not originally from Oakland. He was born in Louisiana. He wrote that when his father was growing up there, there wasn't a school for black children. So his grandfather helped buy some lumber to build one. Bill Russell was nine years old when his family moved away from the South in the 1940s. Part of the Great Migration moved to West Oakland, California, where he grew up. And there were a lot of people who came specifically from that area. Monroe, Louisiana brought about uh, Huey P. Newton as well. A lot of families in the East Bay, um, Oakland, Richmond, um, black families came up from the South uh, during the World War II efforts to work in the shipyards and adjacent uh, industries. And that's where you, you got influx of black people to the inner cities of the Bay Area. Oakland, West Oakland specifically, wasn't historically black before the Great Migration. Bill Russell once told a story from his childhood in Oakland. When he was nine years old, a group of five other boys ran by him one day. One slapped him. He told his mother about it, and she took him around town looking for the kids. She wanted him to stand up for himself. He wrote, My mother went on to tell me that I should never pick a fight with anyone, but that I should always finish the fight I was in. Pendarvis Harshaw met Bill Russell in 2011 at an event in Oakland organized to honor him. I was doing this photo series about elders talking to young people, giving them tidbits of wisdom based on their life's experience. So the whole goal was to get a photo of Bill Russell and get a quote from him that could lend some wisdom to some young people. He had one quote that he'd like to share, or rather live by. Um, and so I'll share that with you. We learn to make a shell for ourselves when we are young and then spend the rest of our lives hoping for someone to reach inside and touch us. Just touch us. Anything more than that would be too much for us to bear. Bill Russell. What does that, what does that mean to you? As an educator, as a parent, as a journalist, but really a social scientist, just looking at how people interact, it, it rings true. We, we want to interact. We want to have community. We want to have these connections, but through wounds, through negative experiences, through seeing other people be hurt, we build up these blockades, these defense mechanisms that end up impeding our, our ability to connect with one another. So we yearn for someone to just reach in and communicate, touch, be a friend. Um, yeah, that's what, what it makes me think of. 
We'll be right back. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. In 1966, Celtics head coach Red Auerbach retired. He asked Bill Russell to replace him. And with that, Bill Russell became the first black coach, not just in the NBA, but in any major sports league in the U.S. He kept playing for the Celtics, even as he coached the team, for another three years. In 1972, his jersey number was retired by the Celtics and lifted into the rafters of Boston Garden. Bill Russell requested the ceremony happen in an empty stadium. When reporters asked why he didn't want to make a big event out of it, he said, you know I don't go for that stuff. By 1973, he was Spencer Haywood's coach at the Seattle Supersonics. Spencer Haywood had met Bill Russell once before, when he was still in high school. I first met Bill Russell in 1966-67. He was playing in Detroit, Michigan against the Detroit Pistons. And we sort of walked from the locker room over to the Pontchartrain Hotel, which was across the street. And uh, I was fascinated by his, um, the goatee, because, you know, being a high school student, you're like, oh, boy. And everyone in school was like, you never should have hair on your face. And uh, so that was exciting. But I was looking at his clothing. His clothing was like this nice black suit, uh, white shirt with a thin necktie, also had uh, sort of a stingy Bram Stutzen hat on and uh, a pair of not the clawed wingtip shoes, but the nice wingtip shoes that was like stylish. And he put his jacket on before he would go out into the cold. And it was a, it was like a London fog, but black. And it was just immaculate. He looked so elegant and he talked so elegant. And he was just speaking to me and giving me some encouragement as a young player. And um, I was just soaking it all in. I was like, wow, Bill Russell's taking some time to talk to me. In 1968, a few years after that day in Detroit, Haywood went to the Olympics as part of the American basketball team. He was 19. But by the time Bill Russell became his coach, Spencer Haywood was also famous for something else. In the 1960s, 
The NBA had a rule. Before I came along, you had to wait for four years in college before you could enter into the NBA. But Spencer Haywood wanted to start his career right away so he could earn money for his family. He says his mother was picking cotton in Mississippi for $2 a day. He told us, I just wanted to get her out of the field. The Seattle Supersonics didn't agree with the NBA's rule either. So they went ahead and drafted Spencer Haywood before he was officially eligible. He filed a lawsuit against the NBA. The Sonics backed him. And the case went to the Supreme Court. The court decided in Spencer Haywood's favor. His lawsuit changed the rules. If you could show that you needed to bring in a salary, you could start playing in the NBA sooner. A sports writer for the New York Times later wrote, From Kobe Bryant to LeBron James, every player who has gone from high school to the pros owes a debt of gratitude to Haywood. Bill Russell began coaching the Sonics a couple years after Spencer Haywood's case. It was just exciting for me to have him as a coach. And prior to him, I had Lenny Wilkins in my first year, and, and he was a black coach. And here's Bill Russell coming in right after him. So he got in town. Uh, we just spent so much time just driving around in, in his van talking. And he's, he is talking about what he would like for this team to be. And he named me captain before the, the season started because he wanted me to take that leadership role as he had done in Boston. And he saw a lot of himself in me. The Supersonics had never won a championship. They'd never even made it to the playoffs. But Bill Russell was used to winning, and he had a plan. Concentrate on the defense, and defense is hard work. It's all about competitiveness, and it's always about angles. It's about the floor. How do you see the floor on defense? Everything was movement, and uh, Bill Russell was the king of all of this. I had watched players do what the white coaches wanted them to do, but when Bill Russell told them to do the same identical thing, it was a question about it. And that, to me, was like just disgusting. But that's life. How did he change you as a player? Well, he changed me in the sense of, you know, when I was, when he first came there, I was into keeping my status as a, an all-pro player, uh, a first team, as, you know, I wanted to get my my number of shots up. It was like, you know, I, I was playing the right way but the wrong way. And Bill said, you play so much like me, I want you to move to, <laughs> move to center. And I was like, I don't want to play center. <laughs> and... I mean, being that he he is my hero and was my hero, I did everything he wanted me to do. And this is how we were able to win and get ourselves the first playoff into the playoffs for the Sonics by me playing, moving from forward to center. After he stopped coaching you, how did your friendship continue to grow? 
Well, we, we kind of lost our way a little bit when I was uh, traded from Seattle to New York. And, I, and he asked me, this is so weird. He called me into the office and said, I'm not going to trade you. And I, just the idea that it, it hit his head and said, it came out of his mouth, I'm not going to trade you. I want you here with me. I took it very personal, you know. Spencer Haywood told us, quote, my ego got involved. He says he told Bill Russell that he wanted to be traded. So I ended up, you know, pushing him into that, that, that trade. And when I got to New York, it was just sad because I always thought about where we had, what we had built. I did something I shouldn't have done because I, I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave him as a coach. He says in New York, he didn't have anyone to talk to. Nobody was looking out for him like Bill Russell had. We'll be right back. In 1975, Spencer Haywood started playing for the New York Knicks. In 1977, he married the supermodel Iman. They had a daughter together. But by the late 70s, he says he was using a lot of cocaine. He continued to play basketball and moved to Los Angeles to play for the Lakers. By then, Bill Russell was often a commentator for NBA games. Spencer Haywood remembers seeing him at a Lakers game. Bill Russell was broadcasting the game on CBS. And Bill Russell kept looking at me and looking at me. And then he, just before the warm-ups, and I was like just mumbling around. And so I was talking. He said, what the fuck is going on with you? And I was like, hey, nothing happening with me, man. I'm all good. He said, no, I, I know you. This is not you. Now, Whatever the fuck you're doing, you got to pull away from it. You got to pull away from those drugs. And I was like, what are you talking about? I took offense to it. Like, I wasn't, I ain't, I'm not using drugs. And it was, seemed like, you know, at that time, Coke was spraying out of my, my, my pores and everything else. But it was the first time uh, someone had just called me out. And I was like, oh, my God. My spirit is bad. Everything is bad for me. And... Um, he was the first one to even think about it. And I was like, wow. And I sit back over the years and I thought, wow, this man truly loved me, you know. He, he, he ran it to me straight, not about, you know, like calling you out, but like because of love was why he was, you know, calling me out. Soon after that game, Spencer Haywood was kicked off the Lakers the team was in the finals. They went on to win the NBA championship without him. He credits Iman with helping him stop using cocaine. But eventually, they got divorced. Soon after, she met and married David Bowie. Spencer Haywood remarried too. He says he's now been sober for close to 41 years. Years after that 1980 final, Haywood's Lakers teammate, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar gave him a championship ring, the one he would have earned if he'd been able to finish the season. 
Spencer Haywood moved to Las Vegas, and he started to see more of Bill Russell. He would come here to, to Las Vegas. We had dinner, we talked, and uh, just a beautiful human being. And then as the chairman of the board, I was the chairman of the board for the NBA retired players. He made all of the events, hung out with all of the older players and younger players and the whole court, people around him. And he was like the Pied Piper, you know, for all of those years up until he passed. He won in life at the, on the court. He won in life off the court, and when President Obama was putting that Medal of Freedom on his neck, God, I was so happy, so happy. More than any athlete of his era, Bill Russell came to define the word winner. And yet, whenever someone looks up at all 6'9 of Bill Russell, I just did, I always feel small next to him, and asks, are you a basketball player? He says, no. He says, that's what I do, that's not what I am. I'm not a basketball player, I am a man who plays basketball. Bill Russell, the man, is someone who stood up for the rights and dignity of all men. This was 2011. Five years later, after football player Colin Kaepernick knelt during the national anthem, Bill Russell supported him he tweeted a photo of himself kneeling, wearing his Medal of Freedom around his neck and a championship ring on his finger. Proud to take a knee, he wrote. He was a humble man with civil rights movement, with all of the stuff that he had went through. He was so humble, so uh, it's hard sometimes when you're that humble to accept who you are. And then when he got the Medal of Freedom, it's like, hey, I'm Bill Russell. He embraced it at the end, you know, and he had a lot of fun with it because, you know, we loved him so, and I know I loved him like like a father to me. I'll tell you about the last time we were together. We were here at Top Golf in Las Vegas, and uh, we sat and talked. And he was he was hard of hearing a little bit, but. He was just with his players. All of the retired players where we were around and just talking and having, he was having a ball. We would all look to get around Bill Russell, hear those great stories about the civil rights, about basketball, how to win. And he had the, the most beautiful laugh, walk, 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 walk. And you know, it was sort of like a cackle, but it was like just, it lightened your spirit. It made your spirit feel Oh, my God, there's joy in this world. Then we, uh, later on, we had a nice party over at the uh, Ariel Hotel here in Casino. And I kept kidding him, like, what are you doing up this late? What's going on? I'm like, I don't need any sleep. I'm with my players. I'm with my guys. And so he was just enjoying himself in his latter days, you know. That was, that, that let me know that He was ready to move on whenever it came. Bill Russell died at the age of 88 in July 2022. His jersey number, number six, has been retired across the entire NBA. But if you visit the Celtic Stadium, you can't miss it. 
The number six is painted big and in green right onto the floor of the court. This is Love is created by Lauren Spohr and me. Nadia Wilson is our senior producer. Katie Bishop is our supervising producer. Our producers are Susanna Robertson, Jackie Sajiko, Libby Foster, Lily Clark, Lena Sillison, and Megan Kinane. Our technical director is Rob Byers. Engineering by Russ Henry. Learn more about the show on our website, thisislovepodcast.com. And if you like the show, tell a friend or leave us a review. It means a lot. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at This Is Love Show. This Is Love is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Discover more great shows at podcast.voxmedia.com. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. Love.